the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, February the 24th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on February 24, 1868, the U.S. House of Representatives impeached. Well, we've heard that word a lot, haven't we, in the last uh, four years. House of Representatives impeached President Andrew Johnson. They were mad at him because he had attempted to dismiss the Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton. Congress didn't think he should do that, or the House didn't. Johnson was later acquitted by the Senate. Today in 1815, American engineer and inventor Robert Fulton, he was credited, among other things, with building the first successful commercial steamboat. He died in New York, 49 years old. Who knows what he could have done had he lived longer. Today in 1938, the first and I thought you should know this. The first nylon bristle toothbrush, 1938, was manufactured by DuPont. They called it Dr. West's Miracle Toothbrush. <laughs> it went on sale. I didn't spend a lot of time looking into this, but I did wonder what they cost. Probably 15 cents. I don't know. But today, in 1938, you could have had your own personal nylon bristle toothbrush. Today, in 1961, the Federal Communications Commission authorized the nation's first full-scale trial of pay television. They tried it out in Hartford, Connecticut. Today, in 1988, in a ruling that expanded legal protections for parody and satire, the Supreme Court unanimously overturned a $150,000 award that Reverend Jerry Falwell had won against Hustler magazine, the pornographic magazine, and his publisher, uh, Larry Flint. Now, I knew Jerry pretty well, and um, he was a straight-up guy. But Hustler magazine, I remember back in those days, had to, no, I don't read that magazine, and have never. But I remember that Larry Flint really took on Jerry Falwell and just beat up on him publicly. Jerry Falwell was probably the... (laughs) <laughs> the most pure guy you'd ever meet. Honestly, he was. He was a great guy. And um, anyway, Jerry got enough of it, so he sued and, and won. But the Supreme Court said no, and they overturned it. Jerry didn't want the money. He wanted the win. But the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that because Jerry Falwell is a public figure, and a public figure comes under a different category as far as legal protections from parody and satire. So if you're a public figure, they can pretty much say whatever they want about you, and you have no recourse. Today in 2008, Cuba's parliament named Raul Castro president. That ended almost 50 years of rule by his brother Fidel. Ten years ago today, Discovery the world's most traveled spaceship. It thundered into orbit for the final time. 
It was headed for the, again, for the International Space Station on a journey marking the beginning of the end of the shuttle era. I wonder what's going to happen to the newly formed Space Force that President Donald Trump and Vice President Pence put in place. I guess we'll see. I noted in the news this morning, Associated Press reported that Black Lives Matter took in $90 million last year. It's interesting. They were saying that they're going to be doing good things with that money. And that money was given to them. So they have the responsibility of doing whatever they feel is right, I suppose. But Black Lives Matter is something very different, the organization, than what it appears to be. Yes, they took in $90 million, but they are also based, founded by two women who claim that they are are Marxist. And Marxist ideology is woven throughout that organization. But yet they have been seen as the place to go to fix the racist problem in America. You know, polls show that most Americans support the COVID-19 relief bill. This one that they're still working on in Congress. But this bill comes with a slap in the face for people who believe in racial equality and want everyone to benefit. Section 1005 of this bill, it offers women and minority farm owners a total debt forgiveness of up to hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars per farmer. No strings, no other requirements, they say. Those come later. It's an amazing office, offer, but I don't, I'm not racist, and I don't want to sound that way if you're a new listener, but white men need not apply. Newly elected Georgia Governor Raphael Warnick and some of his cohorts, you know them, they've proposed, they've proposed to set up a situation and take advantage of this COVID-19 that will perpetuate racism for years to come. Warnick, now senator from Georgia, he's the pastor of Martin Luther King's church where he pastored. After taking office, President Joe Biden pledged that his priority as president will be black, Latino, Asian, and Native American-owned businesses. And he said, I'm going to focus on women-owned businesses. So it's no surprise that this Section 4201 of his COVID-19 bill, it sets aside billions of dollars, over a billion, of loans for women and minority small business owners. And, and they're not the only ones that are struggling. I know what I'm saying can be misunderstood, but it's okay. God knows my heart. There's not a racist bone in my body. And if you think there is, you don't know how much time I've spent personally in Africa living with the people, sometimes in their little huts with a dirt floor, helping them. So don't go there in your mind because that isn't me. But I do try to be straight on this program that's why it's called Straight Talk. And we need to take a look. We need to turn on the light on what's really going on. This last year, when Oregon and Colorado set aside COVID-19 relief funds for minority businesses only, white business owners sued them, demanding equal treatment. 
If Congress enacts provisions discriminating against white men in the federal government, shouldn't they be sued as well? As Congress debates this COVID relief bill, Republicans should protest the racist giveaways, but it's hidden to the public. And that's why I want to talk about it today. Warnock and four other Democrats, including New York Senator Kristen Gillibrand and others, they want to give away 32 million acres of farmland to black farmers because they're black and because, they said, of the inequities that they've received in the past. Reparations without a label, really. Racism will never cure past racism. More sin does not forgive past sins. It's not how to unite the nation. And I will tell you today that it's not biblical. And I'll tell you why. The Daily Caller says this bill will take a number of steps to help train new black farmers, including funding to historically black colleges, universities, farming programs. It would also create a federally chartered bank to provide loans for black farmers. And it would create an independent civil rights oversight board. There, That's the hook. Within the USDA, with the goal of ending systemic racism within the agency. Some of you farmers that listen to this program, you didn't know that the USDA was racist and they need to be exercised, but they do, according to the folks promoting this bill. One part of the bill that has drawn a lot of interest is the what they what the subtitle in the bill is equitable land access service that would require um, the government acquiring I'm not sure through what means I don't I wouldn't think it would be through eminent domain I don't know but acquiring farmland and then granting it to black farmers with up to 160 acres available per grant. Additionally, these farmers will receive operating loans, mortgages on very favorable terms. They're also planning to set up a bank that deals specifically with blacks. Farmers across America have struggled due not only to the COVID-19, but other factors. This pandemic, the ensuing economic restrictions, shutdowns, all of these have greatly diminished demand of farm products. The decline in food demand from restaurant and hotel customers has also cut into farm revenues. The collapse of oil prices early on, it hurt the biofuel demand, and many of the farmers depend on biofuel as a a market for their products. Many farmers have had to euthanize livestock. doesn't matter what color their skin is. They've had to euthanize livestock and dump milk and throw out perishable products due to the drop in demand. The decline in demand has resulted in lower prices being paid to farmers for their products, even though consumers are paying a little more at the grocery store or the restaurant, if they go to a restaurant. The USDA is saying that the farm revenues are about $31 billion lower than expected this year, this past year. They have also projected revenues for 2021 to be about $22 billion lower than average. Every farmer will feel that, and they are feeling it. Again, it doesn't matter what the color of their skin is, or it shouldn't. When you put natural disasters and trade wars on top of the pandemic, you see the results. 
Family farms filing for bankruptcy in 2019 increased more than in any other year in history. There's nothing in these bills that focus on directly addressing these particular problems. Instead, they have taken our situation here in America and the world, but here in America, and they are focusing on the challenges faced by a particular subset of farmers with targeted aid and programs that, with restricted uh, Based, with restrictions based on race. Is this in and of itself racist? Of course it is. Less than 2% of farms are owned by black Americans. That's true. Booker says, Cory Booker from New York, or New Jersey, one of the guys that's really pushing this bill, he says he would like to see this number climb back up to the levels of 100 years ago, which was around 14%. Meanwhile, farmers of all races continue to struggle across the country from the various external forces. For progressives, a war on anything, you name it, doesn't matter what it is, in this case a war on racism, is never to be won. They don't want to win the war on racism. They don't want to win the war on poverty. It's only to be waged because the struggle is the central theme. They don't want to win over poverty or racism or inequity or discrimination. They just want to fight the fight because fighting the fight is how they consolidate power under themselves. That is the Marxist way. That is the Alinsky way. That I talked about uh, Clover Piven yesterday. That is their way, their plan. Anything other than a capitalistic view, worldview, is always, always motivated ultimately by gaining personal power. Mankind is broken. We are sinful. We need a Savior. We need to be forgiven and restored. And the only person that can do that is Jesus Christ himself. His death, his resurrection, he alone can forgive us of our sins and make us into a new creature. Man is broken. Our founders knew that. They recognized it. And they built certain checks and balances into our Constitution and our Republic not democracy, but a republic, and we practice some democracy. These people want control. In May of 1964, more than 90,000 students and guests gathered on the University of Michigan campus to hear newly sworn in President Lyndon Johnson deliver what would become known as the Great Society Speech. We all know that phrase. He began with an imperative, kind of his fist on the lectern promise, that it was time to, and I'm quoting him, eliminate racism and poverty. This was May of 1964. He went on to outline his vision for moving toward the Great Society, which would ultimately include federal subsidies for everything, from Medicare to Medicaid, the sweeping program of education spending, beginning with preschool, continuing right on through college, cradle to grave almost, the Great Society would create new welfare programs, expand food stamps, give birth to Medicaid, Medicare, fund the arts, you name it, build a bridge in Nancy Pelosi's backyard, whatever. And most troubling, no, Nancy wasn't in office then. Maybe she was. No, she's been around a long time, too long, way too long. But most troubling, it would be a further departure from nearly 200 years of American tradition and founding principles. When questioned about it, LBJ said, well, it is Texas drawl. He said, yes. 
my great society will expand government a bit. I'm quoting him. And he said, quote, but it is the path to prosperity. And he told the American people that day in that speech, he said, quote, we must accept greater government activity in the affairs of people to win the war on poverty. Now we're hearing an echo of that. We, now we must accept greater government activity. That means intrusion and control, the things our founders fled in England. Now we must accept greater government activity in the affairs of people to win the war on racism. It never stops. They never win, but they never quit. Little did people know what destructive bargain, bargain they were making with Lyndon Johnson back in 1964. As the war of, on poverty officially kicked off in 1965, many Americans believed that greater government involvement in education would surely win the war and break the cycle of poverty. Oh, they all talked about it. The Democrats raved. This is great. The great society. But a massive infusion of money began to flow to public education. Billions, trillions of dollars, actually. Now fast forward. Since then, today, 2021, since then, taxpayers have spent more than $2 trillion on kindergarten through 12th grade alone, not, co not counting colleges and universities. And that doesn't even take into account the billions and billions and billions of dollars spent annually on student loans and grants. And our public education system has become a cesspool of social activism and indoctrination. Not so much about education anymore. That's generally known. Generally, kids are more educated on Black Lives Matter and Antifa and that you might be a racist even if you don't know you are. And all of this junk, they're more educated on that, indoctrinated on that when they come out of 12th grade than they are educated to meet the demands of a changing world. They're not educated as they once were. They're indoctrinated. The same views that energized LBJ's great society back in the 1960s and his war on poverty are energizing the Justice for Black Farmers Act now. I know people aren't talking about this. They're afraid to because they don't want to be labeled as racist. Well, label me what you want. I'm clean before God. But I want to get to the truth of this because it matters. Black people deserve better than this. And so do white people. We don't deserve to be pitted against one another by our own government, but that's what's going on in Washington, D.C. today. And as I said, I've spent a good deal of time in some of the darkest, most perverse corners of this earth in missionary work building churches for the glory of God, where people can stand up and preach the gospel and see lives transformed and ultimately their own little culture transformed. I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. And clear-thinking blacks are not into this as well. They know where it leads. It leads them back to a plantation of yesteryear. And that's exactly what the far left wants to do. I grew up in a farming community in central Washington. I mention it from time to time on this program. We had fields and orchards. That's pretty much what they have in central Washington or any or what else is there is related in some way. It was populated with people of all races. 
as a kid growing up, I don't remember that I would every day go out and say, well, now here's someone from the Philippines and here's someone from Japan and here's a black and here's a, a brown and oh yes, and here's me, I'm white. And I mean, that wasn't part of our discourse. It was, hi, how are you? Let's get this job done or whatever. Some owned land, some didn't. Those who didn't work generally for those who did. But it worked because it was based it was based on common sense and just human dynamics, but it was based on fundamental principles of capitalism, which Jesus himself taught. Not the shady, deceptive fundamentals of socialism and intrusive government under the guise of, hi, I'm from the government and I'd like to help you. Ronald Reagan called that out when he was president. But the blacks who want to become farmers should have the opportunity to do it. But what the government is doing now is not fair. It's not fair to the blacks. They deserve better than this. They deserve to have the same rights as other people today. They don't need, and nor do they deserve, to have the government intrude into their lives under the guise of, hi, I'm here to help you today. I'm the government. I'm going to get 32 million acres of land, and I'm going to give it to you. No strings attached. <clears throat> By the way, sign here. They don't deserve that. Yes, there's been racism. Yes, there was slavery. They don't deserve this now, but this is a new form of slavery. It is. It always is. And oh, by the way, if you're not registered to vote, please register here and just mark the D, the little D blank here in advance so we can, we'll send your ballot. I mean, I'm meaning this figuratively, but not so much, maybe. There are always strings attached. Minorities know that. I've spent a lot of time with minorities, as I said, both in growing up and particularly in Christian ministry. Just because they don't speak English doesn't mean they don't understand. They get it. They really do. And they deserve a lot better. According to liberals like AOC and Bernie and Cory Booker and now this newly minted guy, he's a nut. He's a pastor, but boy, he's way out there. This Warnock guy. I mean, really. I've looked into what he believes and what he's written, more importantly. It's scary. But he pastors Ebenezer Baptist Church, or he has. He's now a senator. But according to these kinds of liberals, progressives, Jesus should have had his man distribute resources to each according to his need in the parable of the talents. I think, I think it bears a few minutes today to take a look at this. Despite the best efforts of liberals, including liberal evangelicals like Jim Wallace and others, and these people in Congress now, they try to turn Jesus into a socialist, but he wasn't. His own words tell a different story. In fact, in one of his most famous stories, the parable of the talents, it's in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Jesus would be committing a number of grievous crimes if socialists reigned and had power. He would be breaking with the worldview of progressives who try to cast him 
in their own image, in the image of Karl Marx or somebody. They always put, Jim Wallace always does this, and so do the, the progressives in our Congress. They always try to make Jesus out as a socialist. He was never a socialist. A talent back in those days when he told this, this story to illustrate what he wanted us to believe. Matthew ch chapter 25. When Jesus told this story, a talent was not an inconsiderable amount of money. In fact, by most historian accounts, a talent represented about 20 years of wages for the average laborer. Today, it would be around about, just roughly, $600,000. So the first employee is handed $3 million to invest in, in the story that Jesus tells. In Jesus' story, this rich businessman called his servants together, and he entrusted to them his property. Note it was his property, not the government's property, and not a collective gathering of other people's money, and we will decide what you... No, it was his money. It was his property. He owned the means of production. It did not belong to the village or the government. He and not some government bureaucrat decided what would be entrusted with his economic resources. That's Jesus' teaching. Further, the businessman distributed the talents to each according to his ability, not his need. According to liberals like AOC and Bernie, Jesus should have had this man distribute his resources to each according to his need. He should have not been entrusting money to people based on ability, but rather should be extracting it from them based on ability. After all, in Liberty Land, the rule is supposed to be from each according to his ability. Jesus turns that completely on its own head by giving to each according to his ability. It doesn't have to do with the color of your skin. It doesn't have to do with past sins. It has to do with the ability that the person who possesses the land or the wealth or whatever believes. That's what America was founded on. And it was founded on because our founders were primarily Christians, but even the ones who weren't necessarily biblical Christians took the time to investigate the oldest book in the world, the Bible, and see what the principles taught there were. And they applied them to this nation. That's why we have prospered. That's why have we have become the nation that God intended for us to become. Let's sum this up, the story. There's much more that I'd like to tell you. But in this story, capital is in private hands. The owner of the capital is free to invest it as he chooses and to entrust his private resources to anyone he wishes. Economic gain comes through investment, risk-taking, and smart choices. The enterprise is based on ability, and there is no quota system of any kind in place. Achievement rather than mere effort is rewarded. Accountability rests in the hands of private enterprise rather than in the hands of government. Laziness is punished rather than rewarded. Resources are not involuntarily transferred from the producers to the non-producers, but the other way around. That's God's way. That's what the Bible says. If we take a look at the Bible honestly and we're not intimidated into silence, there is a part of every challenge that we face here in America today. There is an answer to this in the Bible. In this case, these people are, every time they come out with their virtuous presentations, self-engrandizing, they're breaking the Bible, the teaching of the Bible. 
If we follow the Bible, we will be blessed and prosperous. If we turn away from the teachings of the Bible, we will not be. It's that simple. And that's what these guys are trying to do. And let me repeat what I said a few moments ago. Blacks deserve better. I'll see you tomorrow.